Welcome to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, a ridiculously awesome podcast bursting with insightful commentaries and intriguing conversations on the topics and issues that are on the minds of marketers, advertisers, social media, and PR professionals today. Hey, everybody, this is Bob Cargill from Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. This is my podcast. This is episode 148. And this is my guest, Dr. Marissa Schwartz. Dr. Rissy, I call her Marissa. I know she is happy today because her shirt says happy. And that makes me happy. And I hope all of you are happy. Happy New Year 2022. We're recording this on January 6, 2022. It will be released on YouTube. I'm recording this via Zoom. Sometime next week, the week of the 10th, and Podbean as well. That's my my host, if you will, in terms of the, the podcast, and then it gets blasted everywhere. I don't know how all that works, but that's what's going on. And also what's going on, I can't believe it, two years in, in counting, almost two years in counting, the pandemic. So, you know, be careful out there. That's been a very, very tough year, um, tough two years, and, and, and we still got we're still in the thick of it. So be careful out there. I say it to my students. I say it to anyone who will listen, be happy, healthy, safe, and sound. I'm wishing you well, take care of yourselves. And, and before Marissa, I'm going to get to you in just a second and we'll talk and you can talk as much as you, you want or, or need to. And I'll be quiet for, you know, as much as I want, or much as I need to, should I say, but let me give a shameless plug. And it's only because I'm very um, excited and, and it, about my book and it, it is happening within the next few months. It's called 20 Jobs, 20 Lessons. It's about 250 pages. I have been working with a designer and an editor. The cover will be out there within days is my guess, folks. I have seen it, I have approved it. We're just fine tuning it. And once you see the cover, you're gonna say, hey, well, I'm serious about this. <laughs> it, you know, three years in the making. I dictated most of the first draft into my phone, I spent, you know, I can't even tell you, you know, crazy amount of hours, days, and some money, frankly, um, putting this thing together, but it's gonna be worth it to me, and I hope you are interested, and if you're interested, hit me up, and I'll put you on a list where you can be one of the first to be notified once it's available in ebook and in um, print format. Uh, you know, maybe that'll be, I don't know if it'll be hardcover and paperback, but it'll be available in print, um, but certainly for download, um, and if you like me, I do most of my reading nowadays on, on, on my Kindle. But let's focus absolutely on someone who is ridiculously awesome, and you hear me say that all the time, but I, I really, 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 truly, truly, truly mean it when I talk about Dr. Schwartz, Marissa. She is phenomenal. She has been so kind and generous with her time, too. We have not met in person. Because, of course, I think we met virtually during the pandemic, so no one sees anybody in person nowadays. Um, but she has been kind to speak to my students at, at a couple schools where I teach marketing, college level. We have spoken at least once. I can't remember if it was more than once in a, a panel discussion or, or, you know, a facsimile thereof, a, a virtual presentation. And it's about time I had Marissa on my podcast. So episode 148, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, 
Let me introduce you to Marissa Schwartz. Marissa, first of all, thank you for being here. So oh, appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This is awesome. Yes. I hope my is. sound is okay. I moved the phone to the other side of the desk. So it's, it's terrible, fine with me. I hear angle, a little reverb, but, but listeners, viewers, Marissa, everybody put it on me. It's me like saying full speed ahead, uh, tech, technology perfect or imperfect. We're going to do this. Uh, let me tell you all about, if you don't know about Dr. Schwartz, Marissa Schwartz is the owner of DrRissy'sWriting.com, a marketing and writing company ranked in the top two social media experts in New York by Thumbtack and Gen Z Publishing.org, a publishing company which has produced six Amazon bestsellers. She holds a doctorate in literature from Drew University and has a master's in communication. Marissa broke a Guinness World Record for creating the world's longest chain of bracelets. I think you know, Marissa, I like bracelets too. <laughs> I, I get them all the time, go through them, you know, in the dozens, you know, they break. I, I change my mind. I want a different one. She's a best-selling author. She has sung on MTV. I mean, you're going to find out what doesn't Marissa do. She speaks professionally about inspiring others through words and entrepreneurship, and she was named the voice of Generation Z by Community Magazine. To me, she's just a powerful, awesome, ridiculously awesome voice and human being. She seeks to inspire others through words and a positive attitude. Note the shirt, happy. You can learn more about Marissa at marissaschwartz.com, and if you need to know the spelling of Marissa's name, follow my thumb there. I'm trying to angle it perfectly. Marissa Schwartz, her names and lights behind me. Marissa, thank you. I've been talking for five to 10 minutes. I'll be quiet. I want you to tell the audience, viewers, listeners, Insta Live, Facebook Live, recorded on Zoom. So it'll be up on YouTube. It's Podbean, distributed worldwide. Tell everybody about yourself, please, Marissa. Uh, sure. Um, I can give the uh, abridged version. Um, so I started out really in this industry because my friends were getting jobs at the mall that they could not stand. And I couldn't imagine doing something that I didn't like. At the time, I was doing just that. I was a student at a biomedical science academy. And I would rush through my biomedical science work so I could read and write. And I realized okay, I have a passion that is not biomedical science. Um, so I, and I certainly don't want to do something else. I don't like and get a job at the mall. Um, I don't want to be miserable. I seem to really like this writing stuff. Let's give that a try. So I self-published my first book in high school. It didn't really go anywhere, but it allowed me to be able to then freelance write and edit for other people. So like I edited a children's horror book because I had, you know, hey, I published a book myself my on my resume even though i was you know uh 16 17 i was hired and she referred me to some people and um by the time i was in college i had a freelance business that was paying my bills um and that has grown into dr rissy's writing and uh i also since i have a passion for reading and writing i started my book publishing company because after self-publishing my book i decided to go the independent publishing route go through a traditional publisher and that book became a bestseller, but I saw a lot of things in the industry that I thought could be improved. So I started my own book publishing company in an effort to improve them, to make the lives of authors um, better, to give more authors a voice or different types of authors a voice. 
And um, I've been growing that company for six years. I've been corporate for six years. Um, and just a month ago, I was named one of Forbes 30 under 30 in media uh, for my work with Gen Z and Dr. Ursi's. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> that is amazing. And I know all these things about you and Yet, if I blank, there's yet another thing either I learn about you or that you do or achieve. You're, uh, in terms of inspirational, you're, you're off the charts, Marissa. And people, I hope, are discovering you today and later on when they watch this, listen to this, and start following you. Because what I want people to know about you that you might not say yourself, but they would learn very quickly is you interact with people, you engage with people, you support people. So despite your, if you will, um, worldwide acclaim, if you will, uh, huge acclaim and, and how busy you must be, you take the time to pay attention to people. And you know that's what I admire about you so, so much. Is that you naturally, is that, a strategy, if you will. I mean, where does that come from? And, and when I say strategy, meaning, hey, we both do a lot of social media and it's important to pay attention to people if you want to be successful. But you are off the charts, when, it, in my mind, in a positive way when it comes to paying attention to people. Where does that come from? Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I, the, my main thing is if somebody is going to take the time to write to me or to say something, I should take the time to respond. Uh, you know, everybody's time is limited. Everybody's really busy. So I've made it kind of a personal policy to respond. And it actually goes back to the old Facebook days. I kind of made this rule for myself when I was like 16. I signed up for Facebook at age 16. And um, I remember getting like 100 birthday wishes and uh, my family saying, you're, why are you responding to all of those people? That's a, a lot of people. And I said, if people are going to take me the time to wish me happy birthday, I'm going to thank them. They took the time out of their day. That was really nice. So um, I kind of took that with me for everything. Um, I won't say that I respond to every single comment or, you know, every single comment. Um, but the ones that, you know, are not just like a copy and paste or like a, just a click of a button kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's um, the, right thing to do in a lot of cases, uh, take the time for people. And it's not a strategy. In fact, a lot of people have said to me, don't respond to so many people. You make yourself look like, you know, you're, you're, you have too much time or, you know, oh, uh, other people don't do that. You shouldn't do that. But, um, I just, I, I, I don't like egos and I, I like people and um, it just, it really comes down to the thing of respect. And if somebody is going to do something nice for you, uh, like leave a nice message, the least you can do is respond to it. Marissa, it's, it's the golden rule and, and you live and breathe it and are an example of it, being nice to other people. Um, it's gonna, and this isn't why you do this because you, you just do it because you're a nice person, but I'm, I'm sure it comes back to you. Um, um, in, in multi, a multitude and endless, I would think, um, um, flow of support and, and, and um, in terms of embracing everything you stand for, because to me, you know, again, I don't mean to overstate it, but 
personally, it's a great quality, but people in business, you know, it, it's actually, you know, I've been around way, way longer than Mercer's in terms of age. And I've seen business become frankly tougher and, and, and fairly cold and impersonal. So the people who stand out and to me, who really succeed in 2022 and beyond are people like Marissa who have those qualities. I'd like to believe I'm somewhat similar. If you take the time to thank people and engage with people, chances are they're going to reciprocate. And personally and professionally, that's going to benefit you too. So I'm not in any way suggesting that's why Marissa or, or that's why you listening, viewing, or I should be nice to people. But if you are nice to people, chances are it's going to be reciprocated. Am I, am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it goes like that with everything. I actually, um, we're working on a new article for Forbes today and they asked the question in it, um, how would you, you know, with uh, less people with, you know, um, people resigning at, at quick paces and, you know, being short staffed, how do you keep up? your productivity or your, that kind of thing. And I said, by staying positive and by yep. keeping an upbeat attitude. And it's something that, you know, I would want to do regardless. And the byproduct of that is more productivity. Cause if you're down the dumps, like, man, we don't have anybody working. This is so terrible. You're going to be sluggish. You're going to work more slowly. Uh, but if you're positive, you're like, this is great. We still have this business. People are still supporting us. Yes, we're short staff, but look at how much we're accomplishing. You're going to move more quickly. Things are going to be positive. So a uh, byproduct of that, of being positive is being um, more streamlined and, and things going more smoothly. So it's, it just reminds me of that, like uh, being nice to people, uh, being positive. They do, they're so rewarding in so many ways. Yeah, and you referred or alluded a little to the people leaving jobs, the great resignation, if you will, that's what they say is happening right now. Um, you know, some of it's due to the pandemic and, and people not wanting to be in the office. Some people also are, have had a little extra time to think about what they really want in life. And that is to be happy. And, you know, that's a quality, that's a benefit that I think is, is immeasurable, intangible but employers could easily offer by just being nice to employees, colleagues, being nice to colleagues. And to me, that's worth um, gold worth, you know, in other words, that, that, um, that quality, that feeling that you can't put a price on that. It's priceless. Absolutely. So, and, and also you said something about, you know, and again, I'm, 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 Focusing on this point, because I think it ties into business, it ties into social media, and it's, it's a good thing to be as a human being. But you said something about it, it takes time to thank everybody who, who says happy birthday to you. And, and, you know, that was years ago when you joined. That was 100 people. And now I'm guessing you get like hundreds of people wishing you happy birthday. And, you know, again, on a smaller magnitude, that's, that's myself, too. I wrote a blog post years ago called Sleepless in social media and said, hey, if you're going to be on social media and be a success, you're going to have to, you know, it's not a question, it does add hours to your day, you're going to have to put in that extra time, but it's worth it. Do you, do you agree, although I have a feeling you're very efficient with how you work, perhaps more so than I am, but it does add some time, right? The more successful you are, <laughs> the more people are, you know, messaging you and 
wishing you a happy birthday. The more people you see things happening to and you want to engage with. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you make so what I used to do was whenever I would see a notification come in, like this person commented, this person wished you ever, I would like respond right away. What I, it just, it took too much time. I was constantly on my phone. I wasn't, you know, in the moment. Um, so for probably the past year and a half, I've turned off all notifications on my phone and I have hours blocked into my schedule. So at 8.30 AM, at one o'clock, and then at 8 PM, that is when I check my messages, my comments. I take 45 minutes during each of those blocks to respond to any comments, messages. If I have time left over, I scroll the social media sites, but that's it. Then I'm not spending all my time doing that because uh, it does, it eats up so much time. So blocking that in has made all the difference in the world and saved a lot of time. My screen time has gone down a lot based yeah, on that. From following you so closely on social media, Marissa, and we've talked enough times now for me to know you, you are more left-brained in my mind than, than I am. I'm very right brain and that means, you know, creative and and a little more, um, frankly, scattered probably. Um, but people who are analytical and, and methodical, you know, what you do, that, that is such great advice. And I should probably take that advice, be a little more orderly in terms of how I approach social media. I just, you know, dive into it the minute I wake up and pretty much go to sleep with, you know, the staring at the phone sometimes you know fall asleep with it you know right you know there in my you know not nodding off with it um but you know being setting up a system being orderly if you want to be successful on social media yeah that's so important and that so now we'll segue maybe a little bit into business you know because when you do a marketing plan when you do a social media plan what you just said chunking blocking in terms of how we're going to get things done, how we're going to manage many social media accounts. I know your business, one of your businesses, at least you manage social media for, for, for people. I don't know if you can encapsulate, uh, put it into a nutshell, um, how you would go about that. If you had a new client and they said, you know, we want to be on, I don't know, three, four, five social media channels and, and get, you know, and they have no followers right now. And we want a thousand or 10,000 followers in a year. How, how do you go about that? Yeah, so we do, we have systems set up for that because it is, it's quite a process, but we made it simpler for, for doing this for, for six years we've been doing this. So uh, typically they would speak to myself or one of my managers, we would sign them up, send them an onboarding sheet, which asks them all the basics of uh, from their logins to the branded colors to the tone that they want to use. You know, some companies, they love to be humorous and, and friendly. Like think of Wendy's Taco Bell, like they're known for their, you know, humorous and pretty, um, they sound like people, right? When they, when they tweet and stuff, or do they want to be super professional or, you know, more tech focused, like think Apple, where they wouldn't necessarily uh, tweet a joke like Wendy's would, you know, they're going to be like, oh, we're, we're so great. Look at our sleek products kind of posts. Um, so we want to make sure we want to know what kind of tone our clients are going for. So we get all that established. We have a phone call to go over that. And then based on that, we create an editorial calendar and we lay out every platform, the times we're going to post the most optimal plans for their audience, the types of posts, which day we're going to post certain types of things. Of course, we figure out the hashtags that um, we want to use. And I typically use 30 different hashtags on Instagram. So um, based on the post, we'll, we'll change them, but we come up with, you know, a base 
hashtag base. Um, and then uh, their audience, of course, figuring out who exactly are we looking to reach. And we, we use those for the hashtags because a lot of people, they'll use a hashtag, like let's say they're a writer, they'll hashtag writing. Well, when you do that, you're also reaching a lot of other writers. But if you're a writer looking to have somebody hire you to write, you probably want to hashtag something like uh, writer for hire, writing services as well. So we do that kind of stuff. Um, and then we share it with the client and then we schedule the posts for the, the times that we uh, put. And then every Friday, we go over the analytics of how their posts are performing, uh, what's working, what could be improved, what our plans are for the following weeks. And uh, yeah, that's, that's our system for all those platforms. Video is huge. It's always a plus. I would say about 40% of our clients are comfortable on video. I hope more get more comfortable just the way that Zoom, like if you, uh, three years ago, I use Zoom all the time. I've always worked from home. Maybe 10% of people I would talk to would want to Zoom. Everybody else would want a phone call. They weren't comfortable with the Zoom camera, but then COVID comes and everybody's on Zoom. I would say 95% of my calls are now on Zoom versus phone calls. So I think video is going to be the same way, but at this point, not uh, the minority of our clients are interested in video, but that is the future. Uh, so when a client does video, typically we have them film themselves, we edit it, we post it for them. Um, people love seeing faces of companies. So we really, the, the organic reach is incredible with video and people love seeing faces of companies. Yeah, a few things, if you don't mind me touching upon or accentuating that, that you just mentioned, uh, and, and one aside, if, if people see me putting my hand up regularly, it's because I'm trying to engage with our Instagram audience. When I see people join, I am waving at them. So, hey, I'm trying to acknowledge you on Insta. I thank you for being here on Insta, watching us live. I'm not watching the Facebook uh, stream concurrently. So, Sorry if I'm not touching base with you there, but I appreciate whoever is there. And this will all be available for replay afterwards. You, you mentioned a few things, if you don't mind me, me accentuating. Uh, yeah, I was for four years director of social media at a digital marketing agency in the Boston area. And the, the flow, the, the, the system that you describe, very similar. You know, we would write content well in advance. Uh, we'd put it into a, a, a platform that the client had access to as well as us so they could approve content in advance. It's be scheduled in advance. We do some manual um, in the moment, um, sharing of content, a lot of social listening, but absolutely scheduling and automating some of what you put out there is important. I mean, I, I joke when I talk about my own personal approach, but, but it's true. I do personally love to just dive in and you know, see what's going on and, and spur of the moment, share things and respond to people. You also mentioned video, and I, I think we should continue to talk about it a little because, yeah, they don't call it Facebook for nothing, Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg, you know, said in that movie, uh, The Social Network, something about, you know, people love to see other people's faces. And it's it's probably good for you and me because we're in this business and it's opportunity for us to teach our clients but to get in front of the camera and show themselves reveal themselves now more than ever so it's it's opportunity for you and me to to educate clients but aside of of, of working directly with clients we have to 
shout from the mountaintops, hey, people, get, you know, show yourselves, share yourselves, don't be shy. That's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck on social media. Do you, how do you feel about that, Marissa? Oh, it's so true. I mean, if you look at um, the Tesla account versus the Elon Musk account on Twitter, Elon has, I think it's like 60 million followers. Tesla only has 12 million. And there's a reason <laughs> people like people. And I always say that when I work with a company, have a face to your company. And it's for that reason. Um, and then also there's just the organic reach of social, like uh, TikTok is where Instagram was five years ago. I, I know I told mm. this to your class too. Um, but it's so true that there's so much potential to grow organically on TikTok, on Instagram reels and on YouTube shorts. And I use my personal example. I started making YouTube videos when I was 14 and from ages 14 to say 24, I had a collective 10,000 views total on all my videos. Now, fast forward to last year, I got over 12 million views and it's not because my quality of video got so much better or anything like that. It is just because TikTok blew up, Instagram reels was launched, YouTube shorts was launched. So now I had all these places to post my videos, a lot more people watching them and a lot of organic push from those platforms. So they got viewed by a lot more people and it's a blue ocean. And, you know, I've talked to clients who are like attorneys and said, hey, you should be on TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts. And they go, oh, but those platforms are just for kids. Nobody's watching those. It's not true. I look at my analytics. 75% uh, of my audience is over the age of 25. Like they're out there. They're, they're, and there's also so many different niches on these platforms. I've been on the law side of TikTok where you have attorneys and realtors going through homes, giving home tours yep. on there, yep. attorneys giving legal advice. You have police officers talking about their jobs. Anybody that you can imagine is on there. So there is definitely oh, yeah. opportunity for everybody. Even, even this, this baby boomer right, right here, host of this podcast. Um, so, you know, I think people do underestimate and, and generalize and stereotype some of these social channels, TikTok, you know, being number one right now in terms of everybody says like they did for some of these other channels. Oh, it's just kids. It's just, just Gen Z. No, it, it cuts across, you know, all uh, walks of life, if you will, all different types of people, different ages. And you never know what, which channel is going to explode, e evolve into the, the biggest channel. So yeah, people like me and you, we, we teach our clients, we do it for our clients. We certainly do a lot of it ourselves. But I would have a big smile if, if more clients, more executives, especially senior level executives. I mean, you mentioned Elon Musk. That's a great case study. You know, there's a face on Tesla and that face has, you know, would you say something like 60 million followers, something like that? On yeah. And the company only has 12 million. Yeah. Perfect example. Logo versus face and in personality personality wins. So businesses, if you hear that really to the point, simple, clear as day, case study, Elon Musk versus his brand, Tesla, he, the personality, the face, the voice shines and, and supersedes anything, the logo, the name of the company does. So I would imagine that would, in most cases, be the case for any big brand, any big company, even small businesses. Put a face on your brand, 
smile on your face, get out there, put yourself out there. And if you're at all challenged in terms of doing that, talk to somebody like Marissa, frankly, myself, this is what we do, not to plug our businesses, but there are plenty other folks too who do what we do. Hey, just listen to this podcast. That's why we put these things out there to, to educate and inspire. Tell me about a little more about how you promote your own business, Marissa. How do you, is it all organic? Do you pay to promote? How, how do you attract new clients, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, most of it is SEO. Um, and it's all, so when I say SEO, though, I'm also talking about PR. So uh, having articles featured on big name publications, being on podcasts, that's all part of PR and SEO because. I'm going to get a backlink from, from this show. I'm going to get a backlink from the article that I just worked on with Forbes this morning. Those are powerful for my website, for my name. Somebody Googles my name or what the topics are in these, they're going to find them. So that's why, you know, when, when clients hear, oh, you have so many services, you offer PR and SEO. What do they have to do with each other? Everything. They are everything to each other. So there's your on-site SEO and your off-site SEO. Obviously those are different. I'm talking about off-site SEO, which PR is directly related to it. Um, so that's, that's one way PR and SEO. Um, then I still have my old freelance profiles that I started at age 16. Um, they grew. And uh, I have assistants that run them for me. Uh, so we still get some organic clients through those who see them. You know, it's it's the craziest thing to me that I started them just as a high school kid, just like, eh, how could I avoid getting a job at the mall to still years later using them? It's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, some people have said, oh, you shouldn't use that anymore. It makes you look, you know, like uh, you're, you're. Uh, you're too big for like that, that kind of to like, you're too big. You shouldn't be on a, like a website like Fiverr, but that's just, I don't like that. Attitude. It's the same. Those are the same people who say, oh, you shouldn't respond to everybody. It's like, no, don't, you know, there's, there's nothing. If a lead, it, it's, that it gives you great leads. I've gotten a lot of great business from it. So um, to anybody who says, oh, actually, it's usually an up your prices kind of thing, like up your prices, up your worth kind of thing. No, it, I, I don't, I don't fall into that. Um, ads, I've done ads in the past. We run ads for our clients. Um, personally, we just get too much organic, uh, that I, the ads usually aren't worth it. And I say to a lot of my clients too, you, if you're a B2C, yeah, ads are good. If you have a book, stuff like that, yeah, do ads. But if you're like a marketing company, ads can definitely work if you're super niche down and everything. Um, but for, in my experience, I've gotten my better leads organically and through social media, social media is the biggest, um, you know, posting daily on social, doing stuff um, like uh, I was going to say lives, but I really don't do lives very often. I should. Um, but I do, I do post daily. I do stories daily. I just, you know, insight in mind. Um, and I enjoy it. You know, even if I didn't have the businesses, I'd probably still be posting a lot because at this point I'm addicted. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, but I do get business out of it as well. So it's a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. It's an outlet. It is so many benefits. And Sure, you, you have to enjoy it. Your heart has to be, for the most part, in it. You know, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, you're an example, like Elon Musk, if you will, you know, of the face of the brand, you have the brands in terms of your two or three or more, I don't know, uh, companies, but you're out there all the time. You're on all the social channels. You are 
um, you know, multiply, you know, just a few times I've spoken to you and engaged with you online. I can only imagine, you know, hundreds, thousands of other episodes of you talking to people, engaging with people, supporting them, and then they reciprocate. And that's almost the, the organic traffic that we're both acknowledging. You really spelled out, you know, the organic traffic is, is really you do something for every action, I'm making this up on the fly. I think it's some great theory, isn't it, in science or, or that we learned in high school, for every action is an opposite and equal reaction. <laughs> so every action on social media that there usually is, I don't know if it's an opposite reaction, but there is a reaction. And multiply that, because the bigger your audience, multiply that by who knows um, how, how, how large a number. And that's how you do it, folks. So, so you know, I love learning from other people. Marissa, I learn from you all the time. And both of you and I have, you know, thousands. I think you have many more thousands of followers than I do. But we learn. Don't, am I right? I mean, you you learn, continue to learn. And 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 if 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 so, who do you learn from? Meaning, what are your resources? It could be people. It could be brands. Who 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 inspires you? Who teaches you? Yeah, that you never stop learning. That's the thing. When I graduated, I got my master's and then my doctorate, like I went straight through school and I thought, okay, now I'm done. Um, but there's that hunger always. And there's also in the society that we're in now, you need to consistently keep upping your skills and learning or else you get left behind. Unfortunately, it's, it's a, a truth that I've come to realize and have seen. Um, but I, so I make it a priority to learn all the time. I uh, re always read 10 to 12 books at once. Like um, I do that because I'm of this generation where we can't concentrate on anything for too long, right? So you have to bounce back and forth. But I, I typically will read a chapter from a book, then a chapter from the next book, chapter from the next book. And um, I read for about an hour every day. Um, and in that way, I, I get through, uh, I finish probably about three or four of those books every week. Um, but they're from a wide variety. I also try not to just read the mainstream New York Times bestsellers. I like to read independent books as well. That's the whole point of my book publishing company. So I do seek out all kinds of uh, different voices. And something that I've been doing recently is trying to challenge myself by reading books that, um, or not even just, yeah, mostly books, articles of viewpoints that I wouldn't necessarily have said that are a bit different than my thinking to understand that type of thinking. And after I read it, most of the time I go, okay, I understand a little better, still don't agree, but I understand where they're coming from better. Sometimes they do flip me I'm like, okay, I get that point. Um, so a lot of that, then there is definitely social media. Um, I'm careful with who I follow, um, I you know I make sure that I, I follow folks who I can learn from. So the people I'm following, I learn from uh, a lot. Um, I read articles. Um, I oh TikTok, TikTok is another place. I, I they recently released the ability to create playlists. That has become my little mission in life. Every day, I have um, different categories. So, you know, um, general education, nostalgic education, philosophy, science facts, and I. When I come across a video like, you know, an interesting philosophical discussion, 
I'll save it in my playlist. And usually when you're scrolling through TikTok, you forget about those videos after say a week, you forgot what you watched, but when you have them on playlist and then you choose your time, okay, I'm going to rewatch that. Now that video is going to stick with you. And then you watch it again, say a month later, now it's in there. Now that philosophy discussion is part of your brain's, you know, lexicon. So uh, a lot of that, a lot of reminding myself. And when I do read, I highlight, I um, do flags in the books, color code everything. I write reports after each book that I finish so that I don't forget what I read. I think that's been my biggest thing this year is um, realizing that a lot of the stuff I've read, I forgot. And that is such a shame. So I'm making such an effort to keep it in there and yeah. not forget the other methods. I, I only laugh because again, obviously I'm much older than you and I do as well <laughs> forget things. Um, it, it happens more and more as you get older, Marissa. So if it's happening to you now, um, <laughs> um, it may increase as you get older. I don't know. Um, but you and I, again, have a million things in common. The, the documenting of things, you know, I started my blog back in 2004. I love it for so many reasons. It's, it's chronicled, if you will, the evolution of my career. I've been able to document what I've done. And on the side, I, you know, have constantly written notes and have piles of paper that you can't see. I try to hide them underneath my desk and up in the attic and down cellar. Um, but, you know, I'm always documenting things. I think you and I have similar brains in that regard. I also read a lot of books. I read on my Kindle. I get the books free from the library. And <laughs> I, I read a multitude of books at the same time, but partly because I can only get them for two or three weeks at a time. I don't necessarily read one in that short period of time. I read a few chapters and then that one disappears and I go on to the next. I, so I bounce back and forth, usually between three or four, maybe five books at the same time, finish one every, I'd say every couple months. Cause I only read at night, right before I fall asleep. And that could be five minutes. It could be 20 minutes, but I love reading and it's a great quality to have because yeah we're always learning another thing you mentioned and i've lived it and and you know back to my book a little uh which i mentioned at the top of the show um you know it's called 20 jobs 20 lessons it's me starting in in your neck of the woods marissa um tri-state area um i was in uh brooklyn working in manhattan that was the beginning of my career 1983 and i go over every job i had in in business and talk about remembering I spent it took me three years to get to this point to be just months away from publishing it because I had to mine my memory banks and I dictated stories and what I remembered a common thread you would see and I have relived the last three years writing this book is how much more yeah we have to know now to succeed I'm used to just write. That was all I did. That was my job for like 20 years. That's all I was asked to do, write. Show is monotonous and boring, but it was also, I kind of mastered it. I was a specialist. But now the last 20 years of my career, the second half or the second third, that's what I think I've been saying lately. I think I got at least another third of my career in me. Um, I've had to have all these different skills, you know, left brain, right brain, technology, organization, those skills, management, public speaking, but the, but the technology, especially, that's the biggie that, that has obviously come on the scene. I've embraced it. A lot of people haven't. 
Um, and it, it's unfortunate, especially, you know, baby boomer age, if you will. Technology, what role does that play? And do you agree? You've kind of grown up with it. I imagine you're close to being a digital native. Um, how much technology is in your life and any, any names of uh, programs, tools, software that you use, rely on? Yeah, Just technology has, it's become everything. Um, uh, so, you know, I even digitized my to-do list. I held out for a long time where I used to handwrite everything, but um, I use Todoist. I, I live by that app. Um, I use that for um, everything. Like I, I keep track of everything by priority. Um, but yeah, I, I am almost uh, pretty much like I got my, we got our first home computer when I was eight. We were a little bit late to the, to the bus on that. Um, I remember I used to go, my parents, my parents on a floor covering store and they had a computer from the time I was, uh, in, in kindergarten, right. When I started kindergarten, they got a computer and, uh, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I used to play all my games and stuff on it. And then we got the home computer. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, and then I was the first of my friends to get, uh, an iPhone, um, because I, I had the choice. I could either have a birthday party like I had every year or I could get the iPhone. So I chose the you. iPhone. Um, so I, right. I feel like I sound very old saying this, but I mean, that's, that's been my experience with it. So I did grow up for a little bit with that. So I think that's how I got into the soft, uh, the soft cover books and, um, you know, having a little bit of experience offline. And that's why I do appreciate offline time, but I would say most of my day, especially now where, you know, I haven't left the house in a couple of weeks because of the variant. Mm -hmm. um, everything is technology. Uh, you know, even if I'm reading a book, I have my iPhone on playing my Apple music, you know, there's never a moment where I'm not using some form of technology. Uh, I feel like I'm, you know, taking a technology detox if I have the television on, uh, you know, and I'm knitting. But <laughs> even school. that television, that's technology. That's still relatively oh, yeah. new technology. My grandparents didn't have a television. Like, um, so everything is, is technology. But um, yeah, as far as apps to doist, my team uses uh, Twist, which is like Slack yeah. to communicate, but it integrates seamlessly with um, Todoist. Um, what else do I like? What about social media? What what specific channels? I mean, we've talked about it. Uh, you know, we mentioned podcast, uh, not podcast. Um, <laughs> I uh, this is a podcast. <laughs> um, TikTok. We mentioned you know specific channels. Uh, are you partial to any one? I know you're on a handful of them quite frequently. But what which are your favorite? Where do you get the most traction? Yeah, you know, they all have their pros and cons. I probably spend the most time on TikTok just because there is that, it feels more personal. You're watching people yeah. actually speak. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the community on there. I love how geared towards the individual it is. Um, so that's the one I probably spend the most time on for the past year and a half. But I still love Twitter. Uh, and I don't care very much for their algorithm. Back when they would, um, you know, most people, they go onto their timeline and they're just being shown what the algorithm thinks that you're going to like. And half the time, like you guys are way off. So what I did there is the same thing that I did for Facebook. I started going chronologically. 
that's how everything used to be, say, five years ago. Um, I, I look at my timelines chronologically now, and that way I'm not missing the people I want to see. I'm not just seeing the ones that they want me to see. I'm seeing the people that I hand chose to follow. Um, and it has made my experience on both of those platforms so much better. Because um, the other thing with the algorithm is they only show you the same handful of people all the time. And it's like, yes, I did interact with Rebecca a lot, but that doesn't mean that I only want to see Rebecca's posts. So um, by going chronologically, or actually Twitter calls it recent, uh, by going through that view, I get to see everybody. And uh, I, I really like that. So I like both of those for that. Um, I, I find a lot of memes on Facebook and I love meme culture. I find, you know, and you share them. Hilarious. I see a lot of them. They're funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Yep. Um, and fun facts. Twitter uh, is great for information, for learning, for education. Um, I like Instagram when I want to turn my brain off. And like, let's say I have a, I had Seinfeld on last night and I didn't feel like just sitting and watching Seinfeld because nobody has a, you know, nobody could just sit anymore. So I started scrolling Instagram and just, you know, I have my collections on there. Like these are my favorite colorful aesthetics. These are my favorite learning resources. Um, and I just have little collections on there and I save pictures to those. So I use almost like Pinterest. Um, and what else do I, oh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is um, good for networking, for yeah. sure. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot for networking. Um, I, no, yeah, I, I have a Pinterest, don't really use it very much. Um, and then YouTube, I listen to, you know, when I'm knitting and stuff, that's like an alternative to TV sometimes. But uh, yeah, those are, I'm, and I'm on all of those. And I post regularly on all of them. There's a lot of them and it's a lot of work to, to stay on top of them all, but those of us in the business, of course, it, it behooves us to 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 be know our way around um, each of them. We we help our clients with them. We use them for ourselves. We use them for both you know business and and personal reasons. I constantly am am telling people who don't use social media or don't use it much. I say, geez, you don't know what you're missing. I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of you know, it's news, it's entertainment it's it's birthdays it's 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 sad occasions but you stay in touch with people it gives you perspective you don't miss there's no excuse for missing anything in this day and age if, if anything the you you've alluded to it a few times and and i concur we become addicted to it i agree and and there is a case a point in time at, at which we have to remind ourselves hey this might be too much i need a break i need to go outside and, and, you know, I do a lot of running, you know that I've run marathons, I run all distances, uh, but I run almost every day and I've run even more since the uh, pandemic the last couple of years because I've been working at home more, I've had a little more extra time. So almost every day for the last two years, that's what I do. What do you do, Marissa, that is, if it's possible, completely unplugged for, for uh, pleasure, relaxation, if you don't mind me, uh, probing a, a tad, you know, beyond professional, what's your, your life like? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Cause work is for a while work was everything to me because I was a grad student and working full time. There was not very much time for other stuff, but now with the pandemic, with not being a grad student anymore, I have more time than I've ever had 
and I'm so thankful for it. So that's why I do read the hour a day. I knit regularly. I mm. have all kinds of arts and crafts stuff. I've always loved arts and crafts. I recently made uh, the Beatles out of stickers. I made a, a mermaid out of sequins. Like just, I love making stuff. The jewelry, I've always made jewelry. I love jewelry. Um, I also am a big video gamer. I love um, the PlayStation. Most recently, Dead by Daylight has been my uh, obsession. Uh, Fall Guys is something that I'm absolutely terrible at, but hoping to get better at. Um, the Crash Bandicoot Super Mario series, I've played all those games. Um, I have a Switch, and I just got my data Switch for Christmas, so we've been playing that. Um, a Switch? Yeah, the Nintendo Switch. That? I don't know. What is that? Oh, it's, it's Nintendo's newest game system. Um, so it's like you could either play it handheld or on the TV. And uh, it's the really Switch, fun. Yeah, I, I'll have to look into that. I don't do the gaming, um, but but my my youngest son does. And I say youngest, he's 23. Um, but he he's on, uh, he's still, he's one year out of college and, and still living here with my wife and I. And, and he's does the gaming thing but i know nothing about it that is one thing it's I, fun <laughs> I, I can tell and i know from teaching college students they're all doing it they are all talking about it i know it's a huge industry do you know when i was in college <laughs> way you know back in the day um i was totally into video games and, and pinball and i'm talking like you know um, pac-man and and galaxian was a big one i was totally into that i was pretty good at that. I used to do it in between classes at UMass Amherst. And, you know, we had to put the quarters in the, the machine and I was totally into it. So I guess that was the beginning of um, the technology, the gaming era to an ex extent. And almost what you said, you know, about computers, I remember, you know, it was again for me way, way back, uh, the way, way back machine was a mid late eighties. Um, you know, I started in business with an electric typewriter <laughs> um, before computers, but I remember when I first started using computers, and the very first one I owned, I believe, was a Mac SE, and I still have it down cellar in the bag, you know, a nice, I don't know, case bag, traveling bag, and it's very heavy, and and it was a Macintosh, and that was a cool thing, and, and computers obviously changed the world, changed how we communicate the internet was like, you know, oh my God, you know, it opened up the world to all of us. And, and now look at people like you and me, again, quite different in terms of our generations, but it does bring people together amazingly. Um, um, isn't it quite fascinating how, how people connect, um, you know, via Zoom, here I am, and you are up on Instagram and we're out there in Facebook somewhere, and then there's going to be an afterlife of this video. That's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> what boggles my mind is how new it all is. Like that's that's just what. And everybody acts like it's all so normal and like it's been around forever, but it's so new. You know, nobody had an iPhone 12 years ago. Like it didn't. It wasn't a thing. And now we all just take it for granted. 12 years is nothing. That's a child. You wouldn't let them vote. Like, you know, like this, yes, it it's is. just insane to me. Like my grandparents did not have a television. Bicycles weren't invented until 100 years ago. Like it's it's so crazy to me what infancy stages we're at. And that is why there's such a divide between the generations, I think larger than 
previous, because of how quickly the, the um, technology has grown, it's incredible. It's just mind blown. It is, and and it's important to know the history and have that perspective. And what you just said is very important to be mindful of that. We're just in the infancy of all these technologies. And I do tell people for the sake of their careers to, it's important to know you, you may not like using certain social media channels or want to be plugged in all the time, but it's important to know how all this works. Cause I imagine, and I'm going to, this will be one of the last questions I ask you, if you don't mind, we probably should wind down soon. Um, but in the interest of time, but you know, technology is only going to get more and more um, embedded into our lives and be how we communicate. And, and clearly people like you and me, we're enamored with it and see the benefits. So many people had better, I think, get on board or they're going to fall behind. That's my opinion. Do you agree? And then also, what do you think about the future of technology? Where, where are we heading? And how, what would your advice be for people with regard to technology? Yeah, I do think it's uh, important to embrace technology, um, but the people who are using technology also needs to realize how quickly it evolves. I remember having a professor who would talk about uh, how she learned to code, but now all the coding languages are different. It's completely different from what she learned and uh, that she had to, like, she was talking about HTML and how she had to do that just to make a profile for herself. And we we're like, what is she talking about? So at one point she was super advanced. So I think that's the biggest thing to remember is, you know, this technology doesn't last forever. You do need to keep up on the skills and what you learn today might not be relevant in the future. So keep up on those skills. Um, I, I, technology absolutely does keep evolving. I remember back in 2015 in grad school, I took a course on VR and AR and um, now we're seeing meta. And now, yes. you know, that little Oculus that I had uh, is becoming more mainstream. It's just going to keep getting more mainstream. And hopefully soon it won't be big, heavy goggles that make me sick. Hopefully it'll be actual glasses that you look through. Uh, but that, that is the future um, that according to uh, experts who know way more about it than me, every article I've read is pointing to that being our future of, you know, you're going to have glasses or maybe even a contact lens or maybe a chip. And, you know, you're going to be able to look out the window and identify that's a hummingbird, you know, that's a uh, burp tree. Like, you know, it's just going to know all that stuff or you're getting a phone call right now, you know, and boop, you, you have it. So I, that's somewhat of the future. However, you know, I remember being five years old and going, you know, maybe one day we'll be able to have um, a video on our phones. Can you imagine that? Maybe when I'm like 80, <laughs> yeah. we'll have that. So you really can never predict. I would have never predicted in a million years that we would have come so far. I know. That. I know. Um, yeah. You know, I, a couple of times I mentioned my, my history and going back to my early days, you know, I got to New York because I went to grad school in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn College. And, and got a master's degree um, in television. So I wanted to be in TV and, and pictured myself a director or a producer, fell into marketing right after grad school as a copywriter, because I had all this freelance writing experience, my hometown newspaper, college newspaper. But long story short, one reason I think I love social media so much is because back in the day, I had that interest in broadcast, in TV, in radio, 
in the internet and social media and what we're doing today, it's very akin to, you know, broadcast. I mean, that is what we're doing, really. Everyone, or should I say anyone, can be a radio DJ or a TV, if you will, newscaster. I mean, the equivalent of because of social media. And, and look at the power of, of, you know, all this technology and people take advantage of it, you know, make the most of it. And yeah, if it's not for you, okay, but it's probably going to help your career and help you personally stay in touch with family and friends, et cetera, et cetera. That, that would be my, my concluding remarks. Can I ask you an open-ended question? I, I know I've done degree of talking, but I hope you've done a greater degree of talking. I think so. But I want to give you a chance, just anything you want to say, you know, and it could be, you know, big, it could be um, small, it could be, you know, digress off topic. Anything else you want to say, Marissa? Yeah, I, I think um, I'll just say the biggest lesson that I have learned this year, which you always hear it. And, you know, the, the, older I get, the more I'm learning that cliches are cliches for a reason. Um, and I've always heard, oh, be positive, think on the right on the bright side. Of and my father is the biggest optimist I know. And he's always said stuff like that. But I think with everything going on and, and just uh, it, so many changes and everything, uh, something that has kept me going and going through is that positive mindset and seeing the good. Um, our brains, I've read a few books about this, about how our brains tend to focus on the negative. So something that I did to mm. train myself is for every negative thought, think three positive ones uh, and list the five best things that happen to you each day. And it makes such a difference because um, this week alone, we lost six family friends. They were older uh, mm. to COVID mm. uh, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and, you know, I, would never suggest not mourning. I definitely, we, we mourn, we're upset. Um, but there is also um, looking on the positive side and, and saying, I appreciate the time that I spent with them. I appreciate that I got to know them, uh, you know, being happy that it happened more so than being sad that it's over. Um, and that goes for really anything. Uh, you know, I've had also team members get sick and resign. Uh, and it's heartbreaking because I love my team. Um, so it's it's like mourning a team member, same thing, but I, positivity has helped me get through that. So I think that that's my last thought to anybody, um, you know, just as pos as much as it's possible to stay positive, to see the good out there. You know, the media, a lot of it tends to be really negative. You see all kinds of negative news stories, but there's a lot of really good stuff happening too. So don't ignore the negative. There's things that need to be done, work that needs to be done. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's detrimental to just focus on the negative. Marissa, fantastic. Meaning you, you, you ending on a positive note, but also a realistic note. And, and again, for the last year and a half or so, I've been at the beginning of the show and in every show, I just like I do when I teach class, I tell people how much I'm thinking of them and, and realizing and knowing that, you know, we're all in this together throughout the world and the pandemic, it just won't go away. Um, and, and people are still dying. People are still getting sick. We still have to be careful, very careful. And, and um, I'm sorry for your loss, your family's uh, loss of friends and people close to you. Um, and Barbara and I, my wife and I, too, have, have um, seen people, you know, um, lives lost due to the 
pandemic and COVID and see people get sick, even people very close to us, it, it's frightening. And we all have to continue to be careful and mindful. And I hope it, you know, the, the silver lining is that we, as a country, as a, or, you know, universe, if you will, um, see that, see that we need each other more than ever. And, and, um, come out of the uh, darkness into the light and, and help each other and support each other more than ever. Um, so, so with all that said, I, you know, support you. <laughs> I thank you. I, I praise you. I applaud you for everything you're doing, Marissa. You, you, you're a positive influence on me. And I know um, all your followers, I'm sure would, would agree how much you inspire them. Those who, who are watching this, listening, thank you on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and wherever you're hearing this, um, Podbean, et cetera. Marissa, let's wind down. And, and if you don't mind, tell people um, they're probably eager to find you on social media. Where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, so uh, as Marissa Schwartz, pretty much everywhere, it's Marissa with an O. Um, I have accounts on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So whatever your favorite platform is, I'm there. And then uh, my website is drrissi.com. And, and look Marissa up at drrissi.com and, and follow Marissa, support Marissa. She will return the favor. I know from experience, how supportive she is, how encouraging she is, how inspiring she is. And, and another great conversation with you, Marissa. And I know we went pretty long. I hope that's okay with you. We, we um, gave listeners and viewers even, even more for their money, if you will. Um, lots to talk about. We could talk forever. Thank you, Marissa Schwartz. I appreciate it. Thank you, listeners and viewers. This has been Bob Cargill and my guest, Marissa Schwartz, on episode 148, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, my podcast. Um, I thank you, and I want to say wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you're having a ridiculously awesome day. I hope you're happy, healthy, safe, and sound, and I'll talk to you again. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.